This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, okay. Welcome. Dennis Miller Option. <laughs> Sort of a low-key opening. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I was just seeing that NHTSA yeah. is investigating a 12th Tesla crash. Uh, something, NHTSA investigates 12th Tesla crash, the headline says. Now, we advertise for NHTSA. Mm-hmm. And they're always worried about, obviously, you getting loaded and driving. But uh, imagine you're sober as a church mouse. And uh, your Tesla goes up because you forgot to take the fucking extension card in. By the way, are you ever going to get on a, uh, a, an electric plane? No. Are the, who are they fucking no, no, kidding no, no. with no, that? No. That little girl's nuts. I, I, I'm not even fond of her, and I would encourage her to stay off electric planes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want her to be in a plane crash. Uh, now that kid's shaky. I'm telling you, something's up there. I don't. I, I don't get the. I just want zealots to value my life as much as they value the planet. Because really, if the, if nobody is on the planet, does the planet exist? I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> as an existential dilemma, if the planet is not here to be, if not one human being is here to perceive the planet, does the planet matter? Not to me. I don't. If no. nobody's here to know, be aware of a planet, who gives a shit? So this whole thing about we'll have to put people, politicians who don't agree with us up against the wall. Um, and I know people go back in and they patch things up a couple of days later. Sure. Somebody says, you know, you're talking about firing squads and shit. But do you really think that at some point in the most zealous uh, corners, the Earth Liberation Front and that, certainly you could see that, right? Yeah. And as I often caution them, you know, you know, somebody thrown on a bonfire because they disagree with you also gives off CO2. That might be the thing that holds them back. But when I heard her say that, it sent a chill through my spine because I said, I can't believe I've got a 24-hour Thunberg camp. I, I pay for a premium service. Where well, you have to get Thunberg Plus because if you get the standard, <laughs> you're not really going to know what's going on. Like That's where just like get, what she had for lunch and stuff. Yeah, Where you get to interpret her dreams. That's yeah. the plus part of the plan. And, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I was creeped out by that when Greta said that. And she's gone back and patched it up. And I'm, but, I mean, really, if this gets – what point does this climate uh, kerfuffle, dust up, reach where if, if enough people really get to the point that they think the pl- – do you think they'd ever start going after uh, – beyond threatening, physically going after people who don't believe in it as much as them? Oh, yes. Isn't that the end result of an overly heated, uh, ironically, an overly heated uh, cultural disagreement? I think at some point they would have to – and my feeling is, like I said, I I think the planet whines a little right now or people whine for it. I think it will be here a long time. But I really do ask the question and I'd like to hear somebody explain that to me from that side. If – if they're worried about overpopulation, if they're worried about naysayers and all that, if there was nobody to be on the planet, even though they might disagree with the planet's health at any given moment, if there was nobody here, does a planet exist? Uh, Christian, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear, does it make it sound? Well, it's a great question. First of all, the first thing you need to remember is the planet has a fever. We used to play that on the radio show a lot. I think that's important to uh, keep in mind. He has a bigger... Uh, carbon footprint and Emmett Kelly with plantar fasciitis. <laughs> did, I, did, did I tell you about the time I did the Super Bowl ad where Shaq, I must have told you that story. With Even Shaq? if I didn't, I'm going to start disciplining myself out old stories, so I'll stop that one, Dad. I did a Super Bowl ad once with Shaquille. Yeah. And did I tell you that story about where well, well, it was I, him being welcomed from the Orlando Magic to L.A., and I was hosting a talk show then, and he was on my talk show. So please welcome Shaq O'Neal. And, yeah. you know, I was in it for like two seconds, but Jesus, I can't believe what they were paying back then. And, and as a bonus, it was for Pepsi. I asked him to give me the pep. This is how crazy things were back then. Uh, I said, 
can I have the Pepsi jet to go anywhere in the world and back? In addition to what they were paying me. And they said, yes. Wow. It was like a golf stream, you know, beautiful <laughs> 14, 15 seater. And uh, my wife took some friends to London and back. Imagine that. Can you? If I went in now and tried to buy a Pepsi, they'd overcharge me. <laughs> the crazy That's a thing crazy was, the you walked on with your own Diet Coke. <laughs> but anyway, Shaq came out and they were filming it. It was a guy named Bob Pitka who was a great Lindsay. Lindsay, over here. Forget Christian. He doesn't matter. Don't laugh at his stuff and they miss mine. But um, <laughs> I go, please welcome Shaquille O'Neal, and he comes out and he sits in the thing and. A little, you know, since it's not exactly Carson, he's a disrespects me a little. He plops his feet up on my desk and Pitka says, Come on, ad lib. And I said, Jesus, you must have a huge cock. <laughs> and he said, Ad lib less. <laughs> I remember the Entertainment Tonight crew was there filming it. Oh. I'm sure Mary Hart loved that. But how genius was Hanks with that? <laughs> You remember when he, uh, yeah, he used to host the I Entertainment think, Tonight? I think that might have even been the first time he hosted SNL. And for people listening who don't know, the, instead of playing the sound between stories, Hanks would just Tom go. would make it. <laughs> and then when it was a sad story. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so Hanks would read about somebody passing away and he'd go, boo, boo, boo. <laughs> We won an Emmy for that show, I remember, because that sketch stood out. And uh, um, I remember Tartikoff made a cameo there. Nice. uh, Always uh, one of my favorite suits. Not to uh, rile you up too much, but did they let you have an Emmy? Because I remember that being a problem. No, I didn't get an Emmy. That's that's when I began to not trust the the whole process. Although I did end up winning five, excuse me, but... I could have had six because uh, I had written the news that week. Yeah. And then when they sent in the list of Emmy nominees, um, two things happened. Mike Myers, who I love, and obviously is a genius. Um, uh, but he had he, the show, they took the writing staff for the season and submitted it. Right. And one, I was writing the news, and I'm, I'm not kidding, I'm not making this up, probably 90%. Son said, since you're writing only for yourself, you're not really a writer. And so that was one a guild rule that I found wanting. So yeah. I wasn't on the nominees. And then they said, and we submit everybody who writes for the season. And Mike Myers had come after the Emmy-nominated episode. He didn't even start for another couple <laughs> months. So here, <laughs> I'm sitting there watching the Emmys, and we win. <laughs> Mike's up there. He wasn't even there for the show Did, we uh, went for. Any chance sitting at home? <laughs> any chance that Ben Stiller won, despite the fact that he was only on two shows that year? Well, he would have if he was yeah. listed as a writer. He, he probably it's just only, wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was. The, I remember thinking, uh, I don't know that the guilds are my friend here. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think I had ten minutes of that show. I'm not saying that's the ten it won for, but it won for no. best writing. And I mean, there'd be I weeks. I contributed a good chunk of that. I know. I know people came on and did characters, but there'd be weeks that Weekend Update was twenty plus minutes. You know, I mean, that's a it's a big part of the show. Well, that would strictly be with characters because it seems to me, in my memory, is if it was uh, maybe one character or no characters, yeah. just me, that it would be ten. I don't right. even remember going twenty, maybe eleven, twelve, something in there, but. Uh, yeah, Dana would come up, and then some weeks we'd have two characters. And usually by the time somebody made it to the desk to do a character, it would kill. And, you know, I always said that Dana killed there more than anybody. But then I was reminded, we had somebody on the show recently who brought Sandler up. And he used to bring the house down too, right? I just don't yeah. think I had a lot of overlap with I him. I think that's when you were talking to Sammy Nealon because he did update in Sandler's sweet spot. But you were there like the first first season yes, that he was on. Yeah. And I just remember, I think Sandler doing Opera Man up there, right? And just yeah. bringing down the house and then that crazy red hooded sweatshirt. With, and, uh, with, a, with a cutaway of Paul McCartney in the front row for, for good measure for wow. red hooded sweatshirt. Yeah. Paul and Linda, I believe, uh, chimed in on the chorus. Is, is it possible? And I, I think it is. So I, I will proffer this and there's no irony intended. I know he has, Detractors, I never understand it, but he does. Is is Adam Sandler uh, the biggest movie star ever? Uh, I think dollar wise, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, so, someone who'll know but the answer. But mixing dollar wise in with 
uh, delivering bang for the buck. You know, it's not Cary Grant. Cary Grant delivered Cary Grant bang for the buck. And, uh, you know, there's uh, Gary Cooper, but classic movie stars. But I'm just saying when you mix it all together, as far as a modern movie star goes, um, and Adam has his own, uh, you know, um, his own charm and his own appeal, but I, I think it's fair to say it's not like a Cary Grant sort of connection he has with his crowd. But I, I, I swear to God, I think he might be the biggest movie star ever. I think Bill Goldman posited something years ago about uh, that in one of his books, not not Adventures in the Screen Trade, but something about a young guy who's getting banged for his buck as Sandler. And that, that book's 20 years ago. Well, the person who I think will have the best answer on this because of how much time she spends on this beat is our friend uh, Deborah Saunders. She knows all about Adam Sandler's career, and this is a great time <laughs> to bring her into the conversation. Is he running for president? <laughs> you know what he should. No, I was just he. Who does it more right than him? Honest <laughs> to God, is his Saturday Night Live? He killed. He doesn't kiss ass on the press. He stays out of the way. I hear uncut gems is a beaut, and he might. I, I, sorry, I should say hi to Deb, our friend Deb Saunders, and. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Sandler's, and I'll put that to the side, Christian, and we'll untuck it after we yeah, talk absolutely. to absolutely. I am here. And uh, how's, uh, how's the nation's capital on two days out from uh, impeachment vote Wednesday? It's full of Christmas cheer. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the most useful app on my phone, bar none. It's hard to find the time to read and learn more. Sit down, actually. When you don't have free time, you cannot read or work on personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem. I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is truly unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. With its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. Eight million people are using Blinkist right now as a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestseller list as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but have never had the time to. I like to use it on hikes. Now, occasionally I go with a friend and we yap, so I can't use it then. But when I solo, I love to listen to the Blinkist. It gives me the main points of a book, which helps me evaluate which books I want to make time to read in full later. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. Let me tell you about it. Getting close. I don't want the other shows to hear right now. For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for just our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Dennis. Try it free for seven days and then save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Dennis to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, as I said, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Dennis. Now, can I tell you something? I usually <laughs> think uh, DC uh, is a bit of a an important trifle in a way. I, I think it's uh, it's the most consequential inconsequential in the world. A lot of bullshit back there. But I do think Wednesday is going to be uh, a horrible day for this country. I, I think the template of what you... I think it's been... It'll be changed. I think the only thing that might keep it from repeating itself down the road is people like McConnell will say, this isn't good for the country after it's been done to our candidate. But I know Mark Levin's already saying impeach the next guy if it's a Democrat. And it's just a bad, bad Wednesday coming up. But, you know, I think so many people are going to be tuned out. It, it's amazing to me how little people seem to be, other than those of us inside this Washington bubble. I think a lot of people are not paying a lot of attention. They see this as a partisan uh issue controversy on both sides where all you know we know all the democrats are going to vote to impeach or not be democrats or i guess there's there might be one or two democrats who don't we know that republicans are are all going to vote against impeachment and um it's it just goes to show how 
you basically have to choose a side now, I think people feel, and just go all the way with it. Get rid of any idea of arguing nuance or even considering the other side because we know that the, that the other team will beat you up so bad. And that's where we are. Well, listen, I, I, I just asked this because I don't even know where you stand. I, I, I think we've talked in the past. I don't think you're a big fan of Trump in certain ways. But do you, do you think the crux of that call, and that's I, and believe me, I don't follow it like Sean or anybody. I find it too disheartening. But I, I can't believe that that was an impeachable offense. Your thoughts in a nutshell. So um, the last time I was supposed to do your show, Dennis, was just after that that uh, tra- that transcript dropped, and before the press this press conference, and I read I read the transcript, and I thought that what Trump said was incredibly inappropriate and something a president shouldn't do, because you don't ask the leader of another country to do your opposition research for you. But do I think it's an impeachable offense? No, and I think that I think the other thing is we've been through. Over you know for all basically three years of this Russian investigation, I you know the Inspector General's report makes it pretty clear that uh, this investigation continued when there were so many signs it was bogus, that the Steele dossier was a sham, that there was nothing to this, and still an investigation that they knew in January of 2017 that that Steele was not telling the truth. When he, about about the, the, the so-called dossier, and they still went forward with it. And I just, I, I at this point feel that uh, it's not a good thing to have this kind of warfare going on with our president. And do you, uh, I, I'm just trying to think of the presidency in my adult lifetime. Um, and I'll, I'll just say from, well, let's go from Kennedy on. I wasn't an adult, but at least I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of anybody in that, that murderer's row of uh, presidents in that time up till current day, if I listened to their phone calls and had transcripts of them, <laughs> I, I especially think of guys like LBJ and that. I think, oh my God, can you imagine what went on on the phone in there about and that guy and this guy, uh, Nixon with his uh, uh, night's list, Clint- Clinton patching up all the holes in that. I mean, would any president have stood up to the scrutiny, including this benighted sainted Barack Obama if they had their phone calls being flipped out there. Look at, I mean, we, we, you know, this This is just, I mean, I, I, I have to agree with Trump. I think there are people who couldn't bear the fact that he was elected and they've done everything they can to cut him down. Now, he gives pretty good, too. So he's not this, yeah, uh, this pretty, waste in the woods, him. right? Yeah, no, I'm, well, I'm just saying. But, you know, look, I look back to when George W. Bush was president and look at the things that people said about him, Right. That they that they there were people who wanted to impeach him. There were people. Uh, he was accused of a lot of different things, and people really got personal about him and everything else. Trump, they've just ratcheted it up, and I think it's partly because he eggs them on, and it's partly because they just can't accept who he is. They cannot accept Donald Trump as president. Well, and it's thank God he eggs them on. Thank God. Because I used to watch that. I, I thought Bush uh, 43, I thought Bush 41 was a very good man, who quite frankly was just on the front end of all this, everybody knowing everything, every 24-7 and social media and that. But with uh, 43, it used to drive me crazy that he would sit there and not get involved when they were calling him stupid, when there were plays about murdering him. And you know, I mean, all that shit of I'm not going to say anything, it's not presidential. Are you kidding me? Forget that. Can you imagine if Barack Obama had faced the scrutiny Donald Trump? You know how thin-skinned he was from from the jump street, that old Maureen Dowd thing where he comes up to her and talks about lay off the ears, and you're thinking, my God, can you imagine him standing up under the day-to-day laser scrutiny that uh, Trump gets? And Trump has never pretended to be a demure guy. He's a dock fighter. He always has been. And he said right up front, if you come at me, I'm going to come at you twice as hard. And he has. And I, I, I say for the better, because I think he'd be gone by now if he didn't. I don't know that I agree with that. I think that uh, I think that we, we have an election coming up. And we know a lot of people who voted for him, perhaps reluctantly, maybe they're feeling more enthusiastic about it because he's such a fighter. But, you know, there's always a danger that you're going to lose people, too, because they're 
not happy with your style. And, I, you know, that, that phone call, it was wrong for Trump to have said that to Zelensky. He should not have asked him to look into the Bidens. It's not, it's not that it's wrong to look into the Bidens, by the way. I'm all for that. It's wrong to ask the leader of another country to do that for you. You know, he had, the problem he has, Dennis, is he treats everyone like their staff. Oh, you know, friendly, friendly nation, we're going to ask you to do he, – and, and the other thing, and this is the thing that really bothered me a lot about this call, too. He asked Zelensky to, to talk to Bill Barr, and then he never calls Bill Barr. So he has this idea where he's going to ask Zelensky to do something, and there's no follow-through. It, it, he, ideas come into his head, and he doesn't, there's no filter there. Would he have been better off just destroying all that, like, say, 33,000 emails? I, it seems to me that that's the way he should go. Uh, if they had subpoenaed that, just destroy it, right? Isn't that the, 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 the current style? Uh, how does Hillary get away? Do you, can you imagine the Clinton's phone calls? I mean, really. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, no, but I mean, stop for a second. Do you really think that stuff did not happen like this on Bill and Hillary Clinton's phone calls. Uh, Bill, I, when he was president. I, I, I hear you. And by the way, Trump released the transcript as a way to get around this whole whistleblower thing. In other words, you know how this works, right? There's a story that there's a whistleblower, but we don't know who the person is. Oh, we know the person's with the CIA. And we're in, in, in the, in the, reluctant to come forward. You know how that story goes. And then oh, there's another whistleblower. We know that this is going to take about three or four months to unfold. And then there'd be the big drama with, with the whistle, you know, we had to protect the whistleblower's identity until the Democrats needed the person to come forward and testify. And Trump just cut that off at the knees when he released that transcript. And, that, I mean, that was his choice. And I have to say, um, you know, it just it completely destroyed a narrative that was designed to destroy him. Well, all I know is this. Uh, I think I've seen a videotape of Biden, and Tucker Carlson adheres to this theory once in a while. When I watch him, I'll hear him say, they accuse, uh, it's like uh, Jacques or whatever that uh, the book was from way back in, in France with the uh, the Dreyfus Affair. But uh, I, I, I see them throw the, the accusation of Trump of exactly what they've done, and I've seen that video. I, I always hope people have seen it. If It should be Trump's campaign ad. He clearly delineates what they're accusing Trump of doing, and he did it. And and the key to that whole thing is when Biden says, they say, you're the vice president, you can't make this call. And he says, call Barack, or call the president, whatever, I can't even remember how he refers to him. You know, he's doing that old boy, backslapper, Jackie Gleason in the Smokey and the Bandit Sheriff bullshit. And uh, how does... I, I just don't understand. They have him on tape doing that. And you really think that it's uh, the Trump's saying, uh, can you look into this Biden thing? When Biden tempts fate by putting that out there, it, it's that egregious? Uh, put it this way. Forget egregious because I can tell it bothers you. It can, is, is it, it impeachable? Yeah. Is it impeachable? I said no. I mean, okay. I, I, if I thought it, and if I thought it was, I think after watching all of this Russian thing, it drives it. I don't think it's impeachable, for, number one. Number two, I feel that we have been, they've been trying to redo this election now for almost three years now, and it's time to stop. And it, it's, I think that's one of the reasons why the lines are drawn so much. I think there are more people in, uh, who might really have reservations about what Trump said. doesn't mean they won't impeach, but they're just keeping their mouth shut because things have just been so nasty and unrelenting. It... it, it, it it just doesn't seem right. You know, the thing about Biden, too, is every time you see Joe Biden get up there and say, my son did nothing wrong, and, like, the thing is, you're the vice president. You're supposed to fight corruption in Ukraine. You don't let your son work for Burisma, or you don't take that portfolio. You can't have both. And when I keep watching, and during the hearings, there are times when people will bring up Hunter Biden and his relationship with the Ukraine natural uh, natural gas company. It you can't you can't say that you can't say that that's okay. Or if you want to make that okay, then your your credibility shot. You're supposed to be pretty pure on this stuff if you're going to point a finger at other people. Yeah, I think at this point. Biden's game plan to me as an outsider from afar appears to be act so deranged they can't accuse you of 
of being complicit in bad business practices. At this point, he, he looks so baffled that I think people are saying, well, he didn't know about Hunter because he barely knows his name. Whether you're an athlete, weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem, what well, non-existent. Most over-the-counter pain relievers such as Icy Hot and Ben Gay only focus on one aspect, the basic cooling effect, such as menthol, which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until that pain returns in an hour or so. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFree CBD, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is... It's 100% natural. CBD-powered remedy, and it works. It's magic. Within 10 minutes of application, and relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than the over-the-counter products. Super easy to throw in your bag to the, go to the gym, take on the go for emergency medical pain relief. Simply roll it over where it hurts, ice out the pain with an arc blast. Cryo freezes an advanced pain relief product line that was inspired by cryotherapy, which means obviously cold therapy. The treatment exposes the body to cold temperatures in order to numb and reduce pain and inflammation. Professional athletes such as PGA Pro Cal Stanley use this type of cryotherapy on a regular basis. So if you're looking to relieve your muscle and joint pain within 15 minutes and need a natural yet powerful solution that's tested and works, try CryoFreeze Pain Relief Roll-On. This quick-absorbing, scientifically-backed formula provides pain relief immediately, instantly. And if pro athletes use it, well, come on. It has to work. It's their business. Right now, Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze Pain Relief Roll-On, plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today, enter code MILLER to take advantage of this incredible savings. Remember, this is omaxhealth.com, enter code MILLER to get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything else site-wise. And don't let muscle soreness continue to be an excuse for living an inactive lifestyle. Go to omaxhealth.com and feel relief faster. We're being joined by White House correspondent for the Las Vegas Review Journal, Deborah Saunders. You can follow her on Twitter at Deborah D E B R A J Saunders. And uh, how is the? Uh, you know, one thing about the White House, and uh, I know Trump uh, drives a lot of people crazy. I I think it doesn't have a daily press briefing, but I almost feel it's more transparent than Obama's was. Do you? No, <laughs> of course I don't. No, you don't. I I think I I see him giving so many pressers, and I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. So Obama did a lot of them. It seems to me I would go. He would go for months without answering questions, and I see Trump doing it a few times a week. So nobody no, no. That, uh, like a few times a day. So do, does does Trump talk more than Obama? Oh yeah. Does Trump talk to the press more than Obama? Oh yeah. The problem is oh, that's what that I meant you transparent. Well, you can call that transparent, except he's always contradicting himself, and you're never sure which statement he makes is quite accurate. And you're not in the position to really ask because you're shouting across a room or in front of a, a helicopter. I mean, that's that's not really transparent when you're not. And, and I'll get I'll give you a great example too: the China deal, right? Which I was writing about on Friday, and they never really released anything with any details on it. And they're, that's just sort of things that, something that happens a lot. Now, you can think, okay, I'm just being really a picky person and I'm in the media, but there are people who run businesses who really want to know more details about what's in that China deal. They don't know yet. And, uh, you know, there, there, are a lot, there are a lot of people, that they, they're manufacturers, they, they use parts from China, or they, they're retailers and they sell stuff from China. All these things are important. So um, does he talk to the press a lot? Yes, he does. Does he, well, he, does let's he talk to the press Let's just register that for a second. Okay. Let's just register. He does, right? Yeah, he, he seems he to field questions a lot more. And Obama, I don't remember him having many pressers. And when he did, I might be mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong. Was it as angry and rancorous with him in that press room? No, of course uh, not. No, come on. Okay. We we know that. 
What was well, that? No Deb, I knows. have to ask you some of these things. And no, if yeah, you're going to meet yeah. me with no, he's not as transparent. And then when I paint the other side of it, say, no, I, I'm not trying to piss you off. I'm trying to get to the point that I think Trump speaks to the press more than Obama did. And I don't think it's as po composed prior the, as it was with Obama. It seems to me that there was a lot of friendly uh, incoming questions. Dennis, that's what I was just trying to get to. I completely agree with you. He didn't like to be questioned, and that there was that infamous time when uh, reporter Neil Monroe called out a question in the Rose Garden, and Obama was offended, but so were all these other White House people, reporters. Like, how dare he shout out a question, right? So there was a, a very gentle treatment of Barack Obama, uh, much more so than with the White House press corps today. So you're absolutely right about that. I, I'm just saying... I think it would be helpful if we had briefings because because Trump can contradict himself in one sentence, and and because he sort of misdirects a lot. Sometimes you want to have like a, a simple, plain answer to something, and that's what daily briefings are good for. I think the press corps could uh, ask Jim Acosta to cool out a little. Say, listen, brother, we know you're getting ahead over there, and we know that Zucker uh, that this works for your boss, but we're trying to get things done here. Uh, can you? chill on the theatrics? Yeah, well, Wouldn't that be a good not, thing for the press room to do? I think people have said things to him. And I think, good. you know, yeah, I mean, you can't stop him. But, you know, you can't stop him. And no, no, not stop him, but let it be yeah. known that, listen, we did talk to him. We do think some of this is self-aggrandizement. He has said he chose to go with it anyway, but we want to register that we think we'd like to get down to cases here more about substantive issues, one of which is uh, criminal justice reform, which I see you'd like to talk to. I'd like to talk about it, too. When I see these last three polls, and the first one was an outlier, maybe Rasmussen, but then I see a couple more polls, Marist and somebody else. I'm talking about is it possible Trump's approval ratings up to 33 to 34 percent in the black community? I think about what he did with criminal justice reform. Grace, they talk a great game on the left about helping out. He's actually done something, hasn't he? He's done a lot. I mean, it is amazing that he was able to, to uh, get, get, get this first step back through. It really changed a lot about federal sentencing. Uh, it was amazing what he's done there. And, you know, I, it, I, to me, one of the there are a lot of questions, things we don't know. And I've talked to people who say, oh, there's no way that Trump gets more than 12%. I think it is the black vote. But he's really making a play. And maybe he knows something, as he did in 2016, that the experts don't know. I think his, his reaching out to Kanye West, uh, which I think a lot of people mocked, having Kim Kardashian in before he uh, gave a commutation to Alice John Johnson's sentence. Um, I think he's, he's had a lot of people in, and he's, and he's done outreach. And, uh, you know, there are, I'm guessing, uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, working-class African-American voters who, who see in him someone who's going to stand up for them, just as a lot of, uh, of white working-class voters see that as well. I, I saw Larry Kudlow in the briefing room this morning, and he said that the Republican Party has become the party for the working man. And that's an appeal that uh, maybe Trump can expand the base, also with Latino voters, too, uh, uh, by, by basically saying, I'm the person who will stand up for you on these issues. That's what we have to wait and see. So I don't, I don't know. I think, it's, I think uh, the experts may find out they're wrong. Certainly, there must be a big part of the black community to watch it. It's like Clinton and Al Gore come in and start talking in that fake uh, the Baptist minister accent that they do that must feel like they're being patronized. I, I think they've reached some critical point here where they're saying, wait a second, explain the first step a lot of me. You know what I mean? If I was Trump, I would be hitting every one of the 10 major cities that Democrats have run into the ground and just go in and start talking about some of the things he's achieved because it's all the shit they always espouse on the other side, and then nobody touches it when they get in there. Obama didn't go near it. Trump's actually done some heavy lifting, and I do think he can go by 12%. I think the 34 is an outlier number, but if he gets to 20, they got big problems in the Democratic Party, I think. If he gets to 20, that is huge. And, and, yeah. that, and it's a game changer because it's showing that the Republican Party really can appeal to people who, who the experts had written off them winning. So. Now, listen, I, I assume you ran into uh, Larry this morning. 
Was there some last second hitch in the giddy up of the USMCA? Something about us sending inspectors in and Mexico bridal? And I think I just saw a lower third crawl across my screen as we talk saying that U.S. has now said they won't send. So tell me about this last second hitch in the uh, USMCA deal. Well, you may know one extra notch on top of me, but basically uh, we saw that Democrats came out and they talked about how they, you know, they'd reached a deal and they had, uh, they were going to have uh, job security. There were, were going to be inspectors, basically, were going to make sure that certain labor uh, codes were met. Under in Hans Mexico. Blix, as I understand, they're sending <laughs> yeah. in inspectors under Hans Blix. That's right. So at any rate, um, Mexico really didn't like that, and they are isn't perhaps talking to the White House even as we speak. Uh, but that was something where you have to wonder, well, what happened here? Because everyone said that everyone was on the same page, and we know that uh, House Democrats went down to Mexico City to talk to uh, AMLO's people, and then you're wondering, uh, Lopez Obrador's people, and then you're, you're wondering, so what happened? But, you know, it could be that everybody agreed to it, and then Mexican, well, I might be putting that, that, that she said at loose ends here because she's nice enough to take the time, Deborah Saunders, to call into the show. And I think she'll get off the phone and get right on the scoop. But I might have just saw the lower third crawl saying that the U.S. has now backed off that need to send uh, as part of the USMCA Act its job inspectors into Mexico, which seemed to be something they uh, were bridling at. Now, I know you're back in D.C. now, and I always think you're back there happy on that daily beat, and it's an exciting beat for a reporter, but uh, I always think you, obviously, when I met you, your heart and <laughs> part of you is still in San Francisco, as the great Tony Bennett would say. And I, I read this article, San Francisco Needs to Clean Up His Act, and I just want to read a quote that just, uh, this is from a former person, a former citizen of that city who loved it, and probably shakes her head at some of it, but you say, it's a dystopian pit. It stinks. It feels dangerous. It isn't clean. It is an expensive temple to a left-wing ideology that has turned a shining city into an obstacle course of broken needles, human waste, broken men and women who harm themselves and those around them. In a succinct nutshell, thank you for the catharsis, Deb Saunders. Uh, I'd say my pleasure, but it was painful to write. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, San Francisco. You and I, and this is an issue. Uh, back to what you were talking about about what Trump can do for these uh, for these large cities that just aren't working the way they're supposed to. Trump talks about San Francisco a lot and the homeless problem there, and it is just amazing to watch what can happen in a city that won't take care of itself and just won't set standards and. Uh, Basically, looks the other way when uh, these 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 encampments explode. Uh, the the piece that I was talking about in this in the column you're talking about, I found out that San Francisco was giving away needles to junkies. Now, I was for needle exchange where you give your them your, mm-hmm. your your old needle and they give you a new one. I thought that you know prevent disease and. And it's cleaner, but no, they decided that you couldn't expect um, addicts to actually turn in their own needles, so they'll just give them to you. That's just insane. And by the way, Michael Bloomberg, who's going to run, who is running for president as a moderate Democrat, there was a New York Times story about him over the weekend, and it said that he had given a $100,000 grant for safe injection sites in the city in America. Really, so you don't want people to buy a big gulp, but you're ready to set up a center right. where they can shoot up safely. I don't understand that. I well, don't it's such an astute observation that I'm surprised it didn't come from you, but I heard somebody or a meme or one of these things that floats through your life now. Somebody saying California is now a state where they'll give you a syringe, but they'll take your your plastic straw. And I think that's that's condensed down about as beautifully and succinctly as one can. We're talking to our friend Deb Saunders. How's, how's your old man, doll? My old uh, man is great. He's just well, is great. there good restaurants back there? There are. Yeah? I, I always love that place in Georgetown, near lower, the lower part of Georgetown, where you go up one block in and there's an Italian place up there, on the, right off that main drag in Georgetown. I can't remember the name, but it's got killer Italian food. Uh, I'm a, I'm I believe a it's Landini called... Brothers, Landini Brothers in Alexandria. Oh, I forgot you're out in the burbs. All right. Well, listen, you've always been a good friend to us. I thank you, and I'm glad you're happy back there. And you have a Merry Christmas, Deborah Saunders. Well, of course I will, Dennis, and I wish you the same. Uh, and Christian as well. Thank you. Not, not Christian. Oh, I don't like yeah. That. 
No, no, no. Well, that's true. Yeah. Well, that's we'll talk to you in 2020. Okay. Later, Deborah Gator. Deborah Saunders, sweet woman. And, we love uh, Deborah Saunders. I think the Italian she restaurant... She's got a hitch in her giddy-up with uh, Trump, but I don't think she wants him gone. But mm, no. obviously, he's one of those people. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. Obviously, you could get in a crash. People get hurt. People get killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 55 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all, is it? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is, driving while high is deadly. So stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. You know, the thing that is starting to fall on deaf ears for me, though, people, how many times do I have to hear people, if you bring up any success he has, there's a coterie of people who, their first answer on anything Trump is, I wish he'd stop tweeting. Yeah. And you think, geez, I don't know, are you going to do that for eight years? He's not going to stop tweeting. I, I, I always say, I wish he'd tweet more. Yeah, there was I a wish he wouldn't come into the Oval, just stayed in bed. In a full suit. I wanted to have some decorum. Yeah, I want to be ready. And just tweet 24 He should tweet 24-7 just for a week, just yeah. to really. There was a there was a day, I think, last week where the, the coverage was that he tweeted 100 times. And I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't really sound like that much. I mean, after I see the new Star Wars movie, I'm going to probably tweet at least 200 times. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting about tweeting is I've had days where I was writing a special. And uh, I wanted to try a lot of jokes out. And then that would lead you just joking in the moment about something or I live tweet in an event or something. And there have been days where I put up maybe 20 to 30 things. Yeah. And at the end of them, I did feel dissipated or down on myself in some way. There is something about the the neediness. I'm not saying for other people, that's their business. Yeah. Uh, But for me... I got a little depressed and I thought, geez, it must be like uh, Pavlov's dog or something when he gets the corn kernel, you know, instead of the electric shock. When you, but when you get around 40 corn kernels in you and you feel bloated from the maze. I think it was an improv troupe called Bloated from the Maze. But I couldn't tweet as much as he does, but I think he digs it. And oh, I look yeah. at Trump and I go, why would you think he would think like you on any given subject? He's completely different than you. He's rhino skin. Uh, isn't that funny that, uh, you know, he has to have rhino skin to protect himself from the rhinos, Republicans and names only, because he's got a lot of hateful people. But yeah. the guy, literally, you cannot pierce it. He's like that uh, triceratops that fired, you know, stink pellets out of its horn and the Herculoids. And I think that. Reference holds up. Yeah. Isn't there something armor-plated dinosaur that you thought, my God, his strength must be the ability to just walk through the walls of Fort Knox? And no, it was flicking bogeys out of his horn. That was his whole thing. Yeah, no, I think that uh, that just showed how multifaceted the Herculoids were. You know? They... Let me ask you this. Just celebrity yeah. death match. Okay. Stone Ape from the Herculoids uh-huh. versus Benjamin Grimm. Well... I think Ben Grimm's smarter than them, so I think uh, he'll be able to, you know, he'll he'll bring that Clover added level. Yeah, he's also, Plus, I mean, he's big. There's know? always foreplay for the blind chick, Alicia, for him to beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah. But here's the beauty of Marvel, that they were somehow able to have amazingly powerful, strong, otherworldly characters. Mm-hmm. And yet I can tell you, as somebody who was immersed in that when I was young, there was never any doubt the brilliance of making the Hulk stronger than everything. Of course. But I mean, there's no doubt in your mind. You you know, you can do that with, uh, there's something about the unattainable in both the DC universe and the Marvel universe Mm -hmm. with Superman, obviously. But on the other side, not another planet, some sort of radiation thing gone wrong, but 
you never questioned that the Hulk could beat the shit out of anybody, including, I think he and Ben fought once, didn't he? Yeah, and the thing about the thing is that he has a finite amount of strength. The Hulk, the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. So if he were to start to lose a fight, then he's going to actually get stronger. All right, but let me take this then. Let me go to the next step. Let's go interconference here. Lindsay, Superman Lindsay, beats Hulk, though, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. Does uh, does the Hulk put on a uh, you know like a, a pair of uh, kryptonite brass knuckles and punch him in the face? Because well, he's uh, going to begin with, and he wouldn't note yeah. that. Yeah. So Superman Rick, wouldn't see it coming. No, no. Forget forget add-ons. No. I'm talking about just raw strength. Is it is it something to do with Superman getting in first or in laying down the hard drive template? Superman, and, uh, you know, I don't follow him to the degree Seinfeld does. I know Jerry's a huge Superman fan. But Tremendous Superman fan. is, in fact, out of every character invented ever or composed, the, the one absolutely invulnerable. And you leave Kryptonite out of the equation. Well, if you take Kryptonite out of the equation. Kryptonite out then, of the equation. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a different universe. I'm talking about if they started punching each other, Hulk. Yeah. And uh, I, I can see Superman eventually raising up a raspberry-type bruise on Hulk. Yeah. But Hulk, Superman can just be hit if there's no kryptonite around. At infinitum, he doesn't feel one thing, right? Yeah, but you have to— he never, Hulk, He's never hurt. But does you Hulk always have hurt? to remember Hulk smash, all right? That's what it ultimately comes down to. <laughs> and I don't know that Lindsay has ever been in a room with a, with a, a man and been more repulsed by the amount of knowledge that uh, I'm sharing with you on this topic. Uh, the disdain, Hulk can be hurt, though, right? He can, yeah. Uh, but really— you Superman know, cannot be hurt. Just his, just his heart. You know, no, that's... no, but just just come clean with me. He, he Hulk could throw his biggest, like Harry Houdini used to challenge people to sucker punch him, and his abs were so tight. <laughs> and there's some word like what what did him in? Some people think it's <laughs> banana peel or something, and yeah. other people say it's him in the up, hanging upside down in the water trick. But I think what did Harry Houdini in is somebody. Uh, you know, sucker punched yeah. him when he wasn't quite ready, and he got sepsis or something. Yes, that's that's but, exactly uh, what happened. So. Superman could do that. And I'll leave this after this. I just want to try to get you on record without a glib rejoinder. Superman beats Hulk. Hulk can feel pain. Hulk can feel pain, but uh, you will not get me on record saying that uh, Superman can beat someone. Oh, look at that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, you were raised in a different yeah, generation right. than me. Um, before, so you're saying Hulk could be eventually knock Superman unconscious? I think so. I don't I don't think he would kill him, but uh, I do think he could just uh, bludgeon mm. him. Look, you got to bring the kryptonite back into it. Batman essentially beat him in a, in a big screen movie in the last five years. Uh, beat who? Superman, because of the kryptonite. So if Batman can beat him... Through trickery, I feel like the Hulk can beat him with brute force. Let us know what you think. Leave us a message at 866-509-RANT. <laughs> Doc Bruce Banner, belted by gamma rays, turns into the Hulk. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about the last line. Uh, before we go, I did want to get back in on the Sandler thing because uh, Sandler's films. Have Sandler made- versus Hulk. Sandler. Absolutely. Because <laughs> he, he would come on as Cajun man. And, uh, and Hulk would Sandler only has one kryptonite opening opposite of Star Wars. <laughs> well, so that's the that's an the an interesting point of view because uh, Sandler, if you look at this list that I have from Business Insider, he is 49th uh, in terms of highest grossing. His movies have made 2.825 billion dollars, which right. is incredible. But uh, you have uh, so much more. The highest grossing. Is Samuel Jackson? Well, it, it, oh. it alternates between Sam Jackson and Harrison Ford because Sam Jackson has not only Star Wars, he also has oh. the Marvel movies. No, so, no, but go down that list and see if you see anybody else that's in the equivalent of like Adams, not franchises. I, I knew yeah. there were bigger people in that. You could say Mark Hamill's bigger than. I, I'm talking about is between one and 49, do you see any name where it's essentially. On their back completely and not the mythos of... No, because I think that, yeah, this is just the total of grosses. I'm going to assume the uh, paycheck that Sandler gets from one performing, producing, and everything else. I think he probably makes more money off of his money. I think there's only one guy who might be in a... uh, I'd love to see Harrison's films outside of the Star Wars. and Well, you can't do that. 
But even with the Star... Uh, you can't do that. You, you see what I'm saying? Though? Yeah. Those are Star Wars films. Those are Indiana Jones films. Blade Runner. Uh, you might give him those because uh, he is Indiana Jones. But yeah. I'd be interested to see Harrison Ford's total with the Indiana Jones films versus Adam's total. And keep in mind that Adam's in no franchises. Once you put Star Wars in, it's a curve buster, as yeah. they used to say in fourth grade. You know, the whole the whole curve's wrecked for the room. But I, I, I really, I'd love to hear somebody, if you can figure it out over the week. I know they're like Bill James, like uh, sabermetric savants yeah. about film grosses. I'd love to see if anybody ever uh, has had a track run like Adam. How many billion was it, Christian? 2.8 billion? 2.8, yes. Uh, and there's a lot of little Nickies in there, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Revenge of the Stiff. You're talking about, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, little is it Stiff or Smith? Uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Smith, actually. Yeah. It's the uh, the Granny Smith that'd be apple. Funny to, that'd be funny that uh, him trying to, uh, Boba Fett trying to check in and have an afternoon fuck and signing the desk blotter, <laughs> uh, Stiff, and having him go, I need a real name here. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stiff. By the way, your friend um, Mr. Hanks comes in at number four on this list at four point oh, yeah. six bill. So uh, he's, all right. Well, yeah. there is somebody that yeah. wins. Tom. All right. I don't know why I blanked on Tom. Of course. Well, yeah. Well, you know. I mean. There's, so he's there's, so there's, yeah. There's the one guy yeah. who is not in one of these franchises. Who maybe Harrison, maybe and Tom for sure. It looks like Tom has two more billion than. Uh, Adam, but yeah. uh, Adam's right up there. Yeah, no, it's um, it's impressive. Guys, how did I forget Tom? Well, but even with Tom, I'm trying to think. God bless him if he's up to, because what uh, Gump's six hundred and yeah, change. I I think what, that what those those, those Da Vinci Code ones? movies I think because oh, right, there's right. three of them, so I think those did incredibly go. well. Yeah, there you go. That's it right there because uh, I like I like the first one and then I don't know I fell asleep well in the second the one. second and third yeah. but uh, you're right the those three things together must yeah. have made close to two and a half billion dollars worldwide right yeah I think that's probably fair yeah all right all, all right. right so um so, what so are we doing Christmas <laughs> we're just we're just counting box office tallies uh, yeah I'm sorry Lindsay I can hear you over there sleeping but. I, I think she was a lot more interested in, in the money part than the who's going to win in a fight, Hulk or Superman. Oh, yeah, jeez. Yeah, which I don't think she has an answer on, by the way. Uh, I like the green guy. Okay. Yeah. So Growly, Here's Jolly the weird Green Giants. <laughs> Here's the weird thing about Hulk. He can only get a green American Express card. <laughs> so that's where <laughs> Superman really whips out the platinum, <laughs> as they say in Lois Lane's world. And, uh, and the Hulk stuck over there with green because uh, he doesn't use a lot of money doesn't die out he's always angry all right i got a rock that's the dennis miller option bye-bye thanks for listening to the dennis miller option exclusively on westwood one tune in to new episodes every tuesday and thursday on the westwood one app westwood1.com and on apple podcasts and remember to rate review and share until next time that's the show and we are out of here from the Westwood One Podcast Network.